0: Hey guys, welcome to this edition of the Once Bitten Podcast. And we have another uber pleb to get to know, Drew McMartin on Twitter. You can go and follow him, at Drew underscore McMartin. Uh, The reason I come across Drew is because he started putting out a few threads. And one caught my eye, uh, which has got plenty of likes, over 4,000 likes, almost 2,000 retweets. Uh, which is amazing for a pleb to come out with and, and just get this amount of engagement because it's a great thread uh, hard to soft money the hyperinflation of the Roman Empire really great read and I urge you to go and check it out it's his pinned tweet really appreciate you coming on Drew thank you so much mate before we do get into this show please check out the show sponsors that's coinfloor.co.uk forward slash They are just announcing some big news. It looks as though they're going 0% fees for some of their services. They're dangling the carrot on Twitter. I don't know exactly what yet. Obi's not told me. Uh, It's very exciting, so keep an eye on that. Relay, R-E-L-A-I dot C-H forward slash Bitten. DCA service across Europe. Keep stacking your sats, head down. Just keep stacking week by week, day by day, as often as you can. Just make sure you get something set. You can do that in the U.S. with swanbitcoin.com forward slash Bitten. One of the best known companies and brilliant bunch of Bitcoiners can help you DCA. Then please, guys, you have to make sure you take the next step. You get yourselves a hardware wallet so you can keep your sats safe. Bitbox02 hardware wallet from shiftcrypto.ch forward slash Bitten. Make sure you take that step. Enjoy this one with true. Okay. Drew, welcome to the Once Bitten show.
1: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
0: <laughs> this is as uh, this is as raw as it gets. With uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I saw Drew's thread uh, about the the fall of the Roman Empire on uh, on Twitter. Actually, you posted that on my birthday. Uh, Did I? enough, well, happy yes.
1: belated. <laughs> yes.
0: Well, thank you. And it's one of the few threads about Bitcoin. Even Well, it's not, right? It's about the fall of the Roman Empire. This is the thing. It's one of the few threads that I've managed to just pass the phone to my wife and her be completely engrossed in the whole thread, the whole story. And I could see the stars aligning and the dots clicking and the dominoes falling. I was like, yes, this is awesome. (laughs) Got one. (laughs) Yeah. And here we are with like uh, a pleb coming out of nowhere
1: with yep, that's this <laughs> fire thread,
0: w- was this your first one?
1: Um, that would have been maybe my second or third thread. But yeah, oh. essentially one of my first. And uh, I basically started writing, I guess, it would have been January of this year. So yeah, six, seven, seven, eight months ago now, I guess. <laughs> Mate, um,
0: that's that's and, awesome.
1: And yeah, and just, you know, the reason, well, the reason, obviously, the reason for the thread and the reason for everything is just, you know, I just, started realizing, like, what what the heck's going on here (laughs) and felt compelled to tell people. Like, you know, once you know that information, to me, there's a bit of a burden of responsibility to, like, tell others what, you know, what's going on because it's pretty serious stuff, um, what's happening. And I find the reason why I sort of, I'll I'll back up a bit. This was going to take a while, but... (laughs) Um, the reason why like I wrote that thread and I, the reason really why I started writing in the first place, and we have a, like a quick little blog that we do. but the main the main reason was that I was I was telling you know local friends to to buy Bitcoin and you know they I would say two or three listen to me just on trust. <laughs> Everybody else wants you know an explanation of why why am I buying this magical internet money? Um, and for me, like my background, For the last two years i have been studying sort of macroeconomics and and focusing sort of on the bigger picture and where this is, where this is going, where this is coming from. And it was, it was very helpful to put it into words. So the first article I ever wrote on like our blog uh, was the case for buying Bitcoin. And I, I guess I wrote it in December. Uh, This was sort of pre or maybe right when it passed all time highs, but (laughs) you, you could see, you know, a couple months before, I think it was at 11,000. It was like getting ready to do I don't know. It's, it's hard to describe. Just, just stare at the chart every day. You kind of kind of have an idea when it's ready to move. And I, I can tell like something, something was going to happen. So, you know, I wanted to get, get it out there tell, tell people like this, this thing is going to go higher, much higher. <laughs> and, you know, so wrote a, a case for that, but this threat actually, I, I wrote it, uh, to orange pill about six or seven of my friends in a, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the game. Well, everyone knows about Risk, the board game. Mm-hmm. They got a digital version of it called uh, War Zone. I think it's called. This will make me sound like a bit of a goof, but I, I originally wrote the thread on a, in the game to tell people about it and tried to show, you know, seven or eight people the history of the currency debasement and and why this is happening again, <laughs> and it's happened, you know, time and time again. There's lots of examples of this that's sort of happening over and over again. So, so I started writing this thread in in a video game, basically on your phone, <laughs> and realized that yeah, this is to actually even write this properly. I need to like put it in. So I I wrote it in uh, a thread. I wrote it in uh, the middle of the night. Uh, my I have a new son who's like less than three weeks old now. So,
0: <laughs> Congrats, man.
1: Uh, yeah, thank you, thank you. So yeah, I wrote wrote it. You know, with him in my arms, actually, just uh, finger typing on my phone.
0: Wait, what day was uh, he born?
1: He was born uh, three Fridays ago. So I don't know okay. what say. that was 15th, I think.
0: Right, okay. So close, yeah, but no so cigar on
1: my birthday. Close to your birthday, but not <laughs> not exactly your birthday. Um, yeah, so that was sort of the origin of it. And as I started sort of writing the thread, um, I started, started realizing the, the parallels. Like I typically look for comparisons everywhere and just try to recognize patterns when you see them. And in, in this case, the, the timelines are totally different. Like in Rome, it was 300, 400 years, but you know things happened slowly back then or, uh-huh. or things are happening much quicker now, you know, however you want to describe it. But uh, for, for those, like I guess, who haven't read the thread, the, the thread is about sort of the, the basement of uh, the Roman currency, which started with uh, the silver, I, I tracked it with the silver content and basically flipped the silver content that was like deteriorating in silver and sort of flipped that and compared it to the Fed balance sheet. Uh, to show sort of the amount of non-silver in a coin and they look very similar it's crazy Um, that
0: that that one part of the thread is nuts but before before we dig into the thread because i want to do that lauren uh will have a question for you but show uh show drew the the book that uh you you've been currently reading because it's pretty topical wow (laughs) roman romans uh, is the Roman
2: book and rome.
0: rome and romans is the uh, what are title. the
1: uh, the big takeaways that you have lauren oh sorry your your bud's not in yeah what are your biggest takeaways from the book lauren that you're reading
2: uh i'm just reading about
0: you've been reading about the games
2: i've already read about that i just okay. passed that
0: and what do you think about those what do you think about
2: they're interesting.
0: They're interesting. <laughs> what do you think about like pitting man versus man? Okay, a fight that's to not the death. No, but, bit, right.
2: But otherwise, all of the chariot, like the horse racing with the chariots and stuff like okay. that. Okay. That's interesting.
0: Uh-huh. We still have that today here I in know. France. They still race chariots around and around. It's, Mm-hmm. People still do die, but it's not. Um, it's not. They're not <laughs> battling with each other in with, with swords and stuff.
2: With lions and bears uh, um, and...
0: and horses still die, even in the Grand National every year. Oh. They run the, the Grand National in uh, in the UK. There's always there's always horses dying in, in horse races, and sometimes mm-hmm. jockeys. Very very rarely, The the guys or girls that ride the horses, oh. mm-hmm. if they come off at a bad angle. But uh, but what 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 else like? Um, well, we've been to Rome. We've been to the Colosseum. Like we, We've actually seen this building and walked around it where they were doing that.
1: What did you think of the building, Lauren?
2: I'm just trying to figure out the place. Hold on. So was it the place where we pretended to do bullfighting?
1: As... Ah,
0: no, that was in Spain where we visited um, Ronda and we visited ah. one of the oldest bull rings in Spain. Uh, no, okay, then the, the, I
2: think I might remember the wrong one, but it's very, it's very,
0: it's It's very a lot of falling down buildings, and then we yeah. walked around the Forum, and uh, then we went into one building where you walk in, and there's a great big hole right in the middle of the ceiling. And know. when it rains, it just pff, rains straight in. It's, uh, it's crazy. I but I what, might remember it. And uh, it's very what about, funny. like, if you watch, like, the movie Gladiator or something like that?
2: That was terrifying.
1: (laughs) It's a violent movie, right?
2: It's a violent movie, but it's a really good one.
1: Great movie. Russell Crowe at his finest.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, what do you kind of think about those times the 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 times of the Romans, the the greatest empire Mm. the world had ever known? I think
2: they put in a lot of thought that was dumb but i think they put a lot of thought that was good too yeah so they have their times i'm like oh that makes sense but then i'm just like why
1: yeah some of the biggest cities like i took thousands of years to get cities that big again so the you know the sheer headaches of sanitation and technology to have a you know almost a million people living in a city is mind-boggling for 2,000 years ago. <laughs> mm. They invented the uh, aqueducts, too, I think. If I'm not mistaken, don't quote me on that. <laughs>
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, to bring the water into the cities, because, you know, nowadays, you, you don't see it, but all your pipes are underground. You just open your tap and you get your water. A million people in a city 2,000 years ago was pretty tricky. Mm.
0: It's, uh, it's mind-blowing. The, the engineering, the feat of engineering that they were uh, pulling off back then, what blew me away about the the Colosseum when we visited the Colosseum, you had there. Uh, I think in its heyday, it could seat or stand, whatever you want, you know, cram sixty to eighty thousand people inside. Yeah, yeah It had they're... a retractable roof. It had a floor that could be um, completely removed, and pe- and obviously the lifts that uh, that they bring the uh, the gladiators or the animals up from. But they could also flood the bastard thing and play out uh, naval battles. They did battles. naval
1: battles, yeah.
0: And I was thinking, god damn, like, we, we you know, uh, that doesn't even exist today.
1: No, and complex, like, underground systems below the 60,000 yep. structures. And it boggles your mind how they were able to achieve that so far, so long ago.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's, it's crazy. Well, Lauren, any more
1: questions?
2: Uh, yeah. Why do you write articles?
1: Why, good question. Um, two points or two, two parts to that. Uh, one is to selfishly help me better understand investments. Uh, so there's a huge selfish component in that the more you write, the better you understand concepts. Uh, so that helps me. Uh, and the other half is, uh, I guess, a duty of knowing the knowledge to share that with others freely and openly, which ties in pretty closely with, I would say, with Bitcoin um, and how inclusive the community is. But so, you know, two parts, one, one for myself, to better understand concepts makes me a better investor. And, and two is to share that information with people, which, you know, we'll get into, but uh, people have a right to access that information easily. Like you shouldn't need a MBA or a master's in finance to save your money, which you kind of need in the fiat system you don't need that in the bitcoin system <laughs> yes. so um
0: absolutely
1: it, it's a lot of unproductive time that's spent you know just preserving your purchasing power <laughs> which is crazy like think of how much time just based on sort of the group of people i know a lot of them don't spend a lot of time studying finance uh you know they they live their lives or they're doing other things productive things one could argue that you know maintaining your purchasing power should be a a a right Uh a civic right for everybody it shouldn't be something that's entitled to those that have money to begin with or that have the knowledge like it it should be publicly available to everyone so so those are sort of my two reasons to write one selfish (laughs) and one not so
0: any further question for me i
2: think that is it oh wait why did he do the article about ram
1: good question so uh the, the the real reason which makes me sound like a bit of a knob was uh <laughs> to basically teach three or you know eight eight people about bitcoin so uh, you know the real art real point of the article is to teach people about bitcoin through currency debasement because uh currency debasement is basically Lauren, like they're just they're printing a bunch of money Mm-hmm. Um, so if you think about it in a game of Monopoly and you have $100 and all of a sudden someone dumps another $1,000 into the game <laughs> and everyone starts spending it, your your $100 isn't worth what, anything, what it was. Yeah. It's well, it's still worth something. It's just not worth what it was. Uh, so, you know, Bitcoin is got a fixed supply uh, eventually and is increasing at a decreasing rate, so it it sort of maintains its purchasing power. So uh, the real reason why I'm doing the article is to show people that you know currency debasements and, and uh decreasing purchasing powers happened throughout history and generally happens to uh great empires when they're sort of at towards the end um and the reason for that is because it's easier than uh increasing internal productivity so uh you know Rome there's sort of two things like one they started debasing their money and the other they just ran out of areas to conquer that gave them gold back or silver materials. So they, you know, they had, I think, I think I wrote 120, you 20, know, 20% of the entire population of the world was within Roman rule towards the end, which is crazy. If you think about one in five people of the world, just living, <laughs> living under, under the same rule or under the same set of rules, you arguably don't see that right now. Maybe, maybe China based on sheer numbers, but <laughs> um, so the, the other reason was really just just that to, to teach people about it. And that's that's why I wrote about Rome. Rome has a lot of similarities, I think, to, to modern day, um, and it's just another another example. I find people people relate more to historical examples that have already happened. It's easy for them to understand versus to tell them something that's happening today uh, because it, you know it's already happened. They can they can see the example, and uh, it's important that they it's important that they know what's going on um, because once once a country or an empire sort of reaches an unproductive point where they're not sort of producing more GDP naturally, they tend to go the route of the printers. It helps, <laughs> helps mask, mask the issue. So that's, uh, that's why I wrote. And I'm, I'm still writing. So I'm working on new topics. <laughs> Weimar Germany among them. All right. Okay.
0: Yeah. <laughs> All right. Cool. we well, say good um, night to Drew.
2: Good night. Good day.
1: Well, it's good, good afternoon night. for good
2: Drew.
0: Afternoon.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, a few few hours for my you. night. Good night. It's nice to meet you, Lauren. <laughs> you. So
0: I guess before we dig into the thread, sure. we've got to dig into Drew. Sure. We've got to we've got to understand uh, where has. Uh, what have I been how, doing? <laughs> how has how has Bitcoin found you? Uh, so what, yeah. why don't we why don't we let the listeners know uh, where you grew up and uh, you know what what you're currently doing? What's what's your profession sure. right now?
1: Yeah, so I grew up and still grew up in just north of Toronto in Canada, Ontario. So uh, Canadian, close to the states. We visit the states, you know, fair bit. Generally go there for winters, uh, so you know have pretty heavily influenced the states uh, in terms of that. Uh, in terms of my profession, my background is in city planning, so I was a city planner uh, working for the government. I call it semi-retired, sorry, future <laughs> planners out there that are working for the government, but it, it just wasn't for me. Um, it was great, great work. It just was a little slower pace and kind of repetitive you could you could sort of see where um you could i could very very easily see sort of where the next 20 years we're sort of headed so um left city planning to start my own uh i guess development consulting company uh so i i run that with a partner called uh, high street capital so we uh basically use my sort of knowledge base of the planning system and, and help help developers uh, basically tell them what and where they can build. So um, been on both sides of the uh, table, they call it. So the private and the public side. So very different both sides. <laughs> and uh, how I found Bitcoin, that's, that's the, um, I think that's the coolest question that anyone can ask because everybody has a different story <laughs> and they all lead to the same point. Uh, it's almost like a, you know, the one way out of a maze or the, you know, the cheese at the center of the maze. <laughs> Everyone sort of is walking around aimlessly not aimlessly but they're in different directions and they all seem to converge on the same point and, and a lot oftentimes they they come at it from different angles so my my angle was macroeconomics so i guess it would have been uh just under two years ago i just started in my spare time uh studying about macroeconomics and the first first thing that I ever saw a friend of mine send me um ray dalio how the economy works like a mm-hmm. youtube video 30 minutes long, a uh, really good explanation, like really dumbed down for people like me to explain how how the economy works or, or sort of how, how a big complex system like a you know, 300 million people economy functions. So that was sort of the first thing that would have been yeah, September of 2019, uh, started being that. And that was, that sort of got me Studying macroeconomics a bit more, being like, oh, this is interesting." This, you know, selfishly, you can, you can kind of see what's going on here. Um, at the same time, I was starting to study billionaires as well. Um, I find billionaires super fascinating, just because they, they all have common threads between them, um, and sort of what they, you know, what they've studied. A lot of them studied economics or history. Uh, I think history is like the third most common uh, faculty for billionaires, which I thought was interesting. Like. In terms of those two points, so started studying that, realized that there were some really weird things going on with the economy at the time, and you know, still, <laughs> I guess in nineteen, you know, 19, sorry, twenty nineteen, they started realizing that there was this repo issue, repo crisis, where um, the banks weren't lending to each other, and you know, being new to macroeconomics, didn't really understand what that meant. I knew it wasn't normal. <laughs> Historically, that was supposed to be a, a temporary system, which they, I think, recently in the last month have announced is now permanent. Is now a permanent just repo system that is feeding the banks. And uh, you know, when you start studying something again, I, I'm very new to the whole field, <laughs> so I don't claim not to be. But when you start studying something sort of every day for two years, you start seeing recurring patterns. And one of them was that what they were saying. And then what they would say six months ago never lined up, like never. Um, the other thing that I started noticing, uh, and this is sort of heavily influenced with like Ray Dalio's Big Debt Crisis book, uh, was that we were at the you know the very end of a ninety-year long-term debt cycle. I think Dylan McClare, uh he writes for Bitcoin Magazine. He wrote a really good thread on that, just sort of summarizing. Uh, Ray Dalio's big debt crisis work. Uh, so I definitely recommend anyone check that out because it, it tells you really sort of how these cycles work and if, if you look at it it's sort of one large cycle where they sort of raise and lower interest rates and they were sort of raising and lowering but every sort of five years to, and it got to a point in I think it was 87, 1987. And then since then it's just been like a steady, um, if, you, if you're drawing a trend line straight down but you know waivers up and down but each trend line it's going lower and lower so you, you can see that if you look at the historical interest rates <laughs> they've gone from 20% in the 80s to what are they now negative zero negative uh, it depends on where you are I think Europe like Europe is definitely negative are they not <laughs> for interest rates so you know you're someone's charging you to store your money in a bank <laughs> mind-boggling but and the way to the way to sort of get out of that there isn't really a system to get out of that so like they were starting to do repo and interest rates were already lowering um, pre-COVID and that was like really concerning to me noticing this so I sort of switched all my money to cash <laughs> <laughs> this was pre-COVID I didn't know what, what, what the heck was happening this is before I sort of discovered Bitcoin and just sort of waited because I didn't, I didn't know what was going on and then COVID hit and, and sort of everything crashed and then it stopped crashing but the reason why it stopped crashing is not due to productivity it's just due to turning the printers on and um so i think i, I forget who it was I and mean, it was oh you know, paul wrote a, a thread about that you know it's sort of going to crash it's going to go up and then it was going to crash again um and there was a few people that sort of debated that I would say he would have been right if the banks didn't intervene, or not, well, Federal Reserve, if you know, the central banks didn't intervene. Like that would have been correct. Like that's how this would have played out. But you know, it's not now. So you know, employment was unemployment was rising um, at the same rate that the S and P was rising, which <laughs> to me like makes zero sense. That's illogical. <laughs> how, how is that possible? People are not working, but somehow they're investing more in stocks. Um, but that was happening. That was happening last year, uh, May, May, June, July. (laughs) So that was about the time when I read the Bitcoin standard, uh, Max Kaiser, I, I came in through Ray Dalio. I was sort of in the gold space and realized like the money is there's something wrong with the money here. Like (laughs) they're, they're not going to be able to stop printing. Like they backed themselves into a corner and they really, the only two ways is a huge deflationary collapse, which, don't think they want to do or they're just going to keep printing and print and print and print and they're going to keep everything sort of going but it's going to decrease the value of each dollar or euro or whatever currency you're you're owning they're all doing the same thing if you look at any chart fed ecb china they're all increasing at the same rate Mm -hmm. so that got me got me sort of into gold and gold got me into listening to max kaiser and i think it was in sort of Late 19, I keep saying 19, 2019, late, late 2019, uh, early 2020. You know, he was recommending read the Bitcoin Standard, and 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 at the time, I thought he was sort of not I was like, this guy is, <laughs> what the heck is he talking about? This is very different than anything that I've listened to. But, you know, figured I'd give the book a read, and like within the first three or chapters, I was like, Oh, this is, this is the answer. Like, <laughs> uh, the book doesn't even talk. It's a fantastic book. I, everyone it should be mandatory reading for anyone trying to learn about Bitcoin, but he, he doesn't even talk about Bitcoin. I think until like chapter nine, it's all, it's all history. And, and he mentioned Roman his too, and the shaving of the coins in that book. Uh, so there's influences there, but that was, that was sort of how I found it. So, um, via Ray Dalio, ironically, well before Ray Dalio even accepted that he was in Bitcoin. <laughs> so I, w- I would attribute some of my Bitcoin knowledge to him, even though he was not in the space. Um, and a lot of these sort of gold bugs that don't seem to understand Bitcoin, uh, they're they're right about a lot of the problems. They just have the solution wrong, I might <laughs> Um So yeah, so that was, that was sort of how I found the space. And, you know, Heavy credit to you know, Max Kaiser, Ray Dalio and, and uh, the Bitcoin standard for that. And, and once I read that book, I was sort of the light had, light had gone off and that sort of started my journey sort of away from gold and <laughs> more into the Bitcoin space. And I've just been sort of learning about it ever since. And then I would say about six months of studying it before I was comfortable writing about the topic, <laughs> you know, you, when you put yourself out there with writing, you opening yourself to huge criticism. So you wanted to have at least some of the basis covered before you start making yourself sound like a goofball. But you know, I had enough by December, January to at least tell people why I thought it was, had value. Uh, so the first article on our blog we ever wrote, like I wrote was like the case for buying Bitcoin. And then from there sort of started uh, studying about Weimar Germany uh, There's a few people on Twitter at the time. I was you know, happy little small following of people, like a nice group of people, and a lot of them were saying like you need to read uh, When Money Dies, which is a book about uh, Weimar Germany's hyperinflation. So that was that was another book that sort of firing more light bulbs off because it, there are a lot of similarities to that book to what's happening now too. And then from there, it's just been sort of understanding more of the technical side of Bitcoin and and understanding and I think it's amazing how inclusive like the Bitcoin community is. Like, I mean, I'm a random person on your podcast. <laughs> you message you had no no reservations. Like, hey, do you want to come on? I said sure. Like, Let's talk. Why not? It's like, no one no one cares where you came from <laughs> in the space. You don't care what your credentials are. If you know and you have a the the one thing that the Bitcoin community has is a, a willing to learn. Um, that's that's really the one one criteria you have to have an open mind. I, I find and really no really no attitude or uh, I guess what's the word I'm trying to say? Not attitude, but you really have to have a hum- humble beginning or accept that you don't have all the answers, I guess, would be the, the one thing. But Drew, so if, we're, all, we're, have all,
0: that, we're all toxic maximalists. Like, you know, <laughs> you know.
1: I, I, I don't buy that at all. I think that's <laughs> the craziest notion ever. Um, I do see... Some Bitcoiners, like the frustration when you've been in the space and you hear like ignorance after ignorance, after ignorance, it can really wane on someone. And I, I, I have only really been in the space, you know, at most two years, less than that. Uh, I can only imagine the people that have been in it since 2013, like, you know how many times they've heard the same story, watch the same person come, think that they have all the answers. Like I, I can only imagine how tiring that is for them. So I, I think it's, it helps having some new blood because I'm sure they're exhausted, like trying to push this baton, banging in their head against the solid wall for a decade. <laughs> that's good on them. So, But I, I don't buy the Toxic Max. I think this has been the most like inclusive community. Everyone's been super positive to me. Um, so I would say the one thing is you just have to acknowledge you don't have all the answers and that you're willing to learn. And the community is very much in support of anybody. <laughs> so yeah, I thought 100%. That, yeah.
0: That's, that's exactly... Yeah, that's very well summed up, you know, perfectly summed up. Because if you come with an attitude to learn and ask questions and be humble and and ready to uh, be challenged in your thoughts and then go away and check those thoughts and come back with either a a, a brilliant rebuttal or someone's just helped you with another aha moment, like another light bulb's just gone off. This is what I find every day. You know, this is why I love doing these podcasts. You know, you, you chose to write, I chose to start a podcast just purely to have these kind of conversations and, and help me along my journey. And the, the the guests that I've had come on and been able to expose to other people and, and help them along their journey is just, I, I love it.
1: Yeah, I think what you do is great. Like, it's, it's amazing. Just, you know, you're giving a voice to to people that probably wouldn't, arguably wouldn't have that voice. Um for one, and and other, you you just sort of spreading knowledge. Like I think, I think it was Preston Pitch said the other day. He says like, you know, we just want people to learn about Bitcoin. Like that's, that's just it. learn about it. And it's when you sort of dissolve all of the the salesy stuff of like crypto, like because the the whole, I find Bitcoin gets sort of caught up in this crypto world, which is, you know, the fact that Bitcoin is like the a new asset class that's never been created in 4,000, not 4,000, 400 years. It's a new asset class. That's what it is, and there are so many people riding the coattails trying to make money off it. Uh, and you know, I don't don't fault people for doing that. Like it's important if you can make a living off it. You know, you can free up your time to in theory, help more people about it. But there are, you know, other coins and this and that. And they're all they're all just trying to you know, be Bitcoin or, or uh, ride Bitcoin coattails in a, in a way um, and most Bitcoiners just want people to learn about it <laughs> they just want to spread knowledge that's that's really all they're they're not asking you to like buy their coin or this or that or they just want you to learn about it um, which I think is very selfish like most people you you don't tell people about Bitcoin people you hate you <laughs> tend to tell people you like about it you know you want them to be saved from what's coming
0: <laughs> And that's one of the other kind of uh, really tough things is you, you want to help those nearest and dearest to you straight away, but then you, you get nothing but pushback and kind of sideways glances. So then you're kind of pushed to do something like you said earlier, you have this burden of responsibility, which I think is a perfect, perfect way to sum it up. You start writing articles and now random people you've never met anywhere around the world. Are reading your work and they're benefiting from your thoughts but it was only those closest to you that you ever wanted to help in the first place it's weird Yeah,
1: true it, it is weird i mean it would be nice to help as many people as you can and you know but yeah you're right selfishly like it's the people close to you that you know faces you see faces you recognize those are the ones you want to help because if you've studied hyperinflation or, or currency debasements throughout history, like people get wiped out, like totally wiped out. Mm-hmm. Their whole wealth is like gone. And and most of them don't even realize it till three quarters of it's gone mm-hmm. or more. Some of them don't even realize it until like the very end. Um, mm-hmm. Like Weimar Germany, there's a, a quote in uh, When Money Dies, which is a fantastic book, says there was a, a story of a lady who went to the bank. This was maybe the 1920, pre pretty huge debasement and uh, the teller was telling her to get your money out of like German paper marks and get it into like Swiss francs or, or you know some other European con- currency uh, and she kept it in bonds because bonds were safe and that's what she knew and you know I, I'll stick to bonds there's another story she came back you know a year or two later and the bonds had lost three quarters of their value so they were worth 25% and she was still asking the teller what, what should I do what should I do? And he's sort of saying the same thing. You need to get your money out of this currency. And I, that story really resonated to me because this is like, you know, a random person, not an expert in finance, clearly wants to be, wants to do the safe thing, wants to protect their money. And is, is the one getting the most hurt by it.
2: Uh And
1: that doesn't sit well with me personally that, you know, it's, it's the most uh, not the most innocent, but the most sort of unassuming people that are going to get affected the, the most. And, you know, people shouldn't, people shouldn't have to spend two hours a day studying this for two years to, to realize what's going on. And, you know, they're not telling you. They're not publicly saying it. If anything, they're saying the opposite, <laughs> publicly. So that's scary to me.
0: Mate, we're in a situation right now where we've got, you know, tradies, electricians, plumbers, you know, painted decorators, whatever you are, are semi-professional day traders in their downtime Mm -hmm. just because they know they know they've got to do something they Mm -hmm. know the hard work that they're doing every day and i've just picked one industry here i mean this is this is across all sectors um i'm just using one one specific sector they know that whatever they're doing throughout the day is not going to earn them enough money to see them through the long term so they're turning to. Oh, I don't even
1: want to anything. That app anything up. that can, yeah. Anything that increases yield, right? Like I know anything. what you're saying. Starts with an R, ends with yeah, a hood. I don't. I
0: yeah, yeah. The, the, those. Like, what's going on there right now? It just disgusts me. But it's been disgusting me for a really, very, very long time. But this is what people are turning to, and they see that as the golden ticket. And this is what they're trying, but they're just gonna. What they're gonna end up doing is wrecking themselves even quicker. And if they would just hang on to the cash and spend that two hours a day listening to podcasts, I mean,
1: I if, I, I completely agree with you. Um, can I read you a quote from the book do. that basically says what you were saying? Um, Anyone who is alive to the realities of inflation could safeguard himself against losses in paper currency by buying assets which would maintain their value. Uh, and then further goes on to uh, say, sorry, that's the wrong one. Basically the quote says um, in 1920, the same thing, people were, people were spending their time uh, trying, you know, day trading, doing the same thing because that was the only thing that could maintain the purchasing power. Uh, mm-hmm. So it was, it was the exact same thing that you just mentioned um, which is interesting. You know, the, and I don't, I don't blame the people for doing it. Like, you know, the silver squeeze that happened the other day or, you know, a couple of months ago, people are just trying to like, the system's messed up. They're just trying to profit off it or at the very least maintain their purchasing power. Like I, I posted something today that shows the stock market. If we remove the money supply is like a, a flat straight line for mm-hmm. since 2008, <laughs> um, you know, it's way up, but so is the money supply. So when you yeah. remove the additional money, it, there's no, no more increase so i'm going to try to I'm gonna try to find this because it's a good quote but um, yeah it it's interesting it's it's really interesting and it
0: uh let's find the quote scary. let's find the quote it, okay. uh, sorry
1: this is making yeah. for a bad podcast here me searching my phone
0: don't worry there's there's absolutely no way I'll edit out this pause so there's no pressure <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> is is, it, is this the quote that you've sent off to be uh, you know made into a poster and uh, like this is going to come no. back and, and sit, sit on your wall
1: No, no it, I, I apologize I'll, I'll try to find it um, but no, the, basically the quote is, is saying the same thing where it's saying people in the 1920s were doing the exact same thing. they were gaming the market because that was the only way that they could oh, you know what, I may have moved it to a different thread Sorry. terrible, terrible podcast <laughs>
0: There's no such thing as a terrible podcast
1: uh, as the old virtues of thrift thrift honesty and hard work lost their appeal, everybody was out to get rich quickly especially as speculation in currency or shares could po- probably yield far greater rewards than labor mm. which I find really interesting um,
0: that's exactly what's going on That's it, weird that's to a T, right so, like yeah
1: so to me that's like like why is this happening um but the money isn't sound anymore so hard hard work or you know honest work where you're producing something physical is not rewarded in society and it's how quickly can you keep up with the money printing so you know can you turn this uh the same you know that that quote to me scares the heck out of me personally you know, the most
0: insidious thing there is like your hard work is rewarded with unsound money, which is based on complete lies to, to you know for want of a better word, which forces you to go and play in a completely rigged game
1: and it is a rigged game the halt to trading you know the, well, well, you're not rigged. supposed to take you're not supposed to take the opposite side of this trade you know you're not yep. supposed to short these companies well you can't. You know, let's put some halt orders on like where, where, where was there ever such a thing where you can't short squeeze someone (laughs) through, you know, a bunch of people on their, on the internet and they make up the rules. You know, I think they, didn't they post something afterwards after that saying that like, you can no longer do that or that's insider trading. Like, hello. It's (laughs) unbelievable.
0: It's unbelievable. Yeah. The SEC did not close them down. And here we are. They're championing themselves. They're ringing the opening bell. They're IPOing. Opening I bell. couldn't believe yeah. that. It was just like you scumbags. And now oh, and their, their stock, I think, tanked something like 70 or 80% or something as all the insiders, everybody that was dumped. in early, they've just... It's a classic pump and dump.
1: When are well, people going to then- wake up? And then the name of it too is like the ultimate slap in the face because you're doing the exact opposite of what you know the historical tales would say of that name. It is Hood uh, Robin.
0: <laughs> it's
1: it's Hood Robin, yeah. You it... you know it's the exact opposite, um, which I I I don't like when the little guy gets beat up like that personally. Like I, it doesn't sit well with me. Um, and then they are, and it's it's a rigged game, and people are people are now playing it just to. Try to maintain their status quo. Like, if the stock market hasn't increased in value since 2008 based on money supply, the only people who benefit or haven't lost money are the people who own stocks.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and there are a lot of people, and the most poor people, they don't have huge portfolios of stocks. You know, they're the ones. So if everyone else is sort of status quoing, although the money supply is up, so they have more money, the people who don't have are way behind, like, way behind than they used to be. And they're wondering why? (laughs) Why I'm I'm going to my job? I'm saving. The inflation rate is is faster than I'm saving. So I'm even on their like cooked CPI numbers, which are I think totally bogus. Uh, You know what what kind of inflation number doesn't include housing that's up 30% or food that's up 40%? Like. You know, you can't live in a computer or an electronic that you can buy, which are lower and they tend to skew those in the numbers. <laughs> you know, I, I need food and shelter to live. I don't need a computer to live. Um, arguably these days maybe do, but it's not an essential. And the, you, can't, you know, you can't, eat iPads. you can't yeah, you can't eat an iPad and, and there's some freak freaky stories in, in Weimar Germany about what people had to do. Like if if this continues, which you know, Hard to say that it's not, but the, the, the risk tail on both sides, the probability of a high deflation or the probability of hyperinflation, both of those are higher than they were a year ago, both sides. So it, the, really the only variable is how much they're going to intervene or how much they're going to kind of continue to print.
0: Which so, makes you realize again that the price of Bitcoin only goes one way, and it goes one way very quickly. Because if you are pegging it against a fiat currency, and that fiat currency is hyperinflating, where does it go? It's number go up. Technology. There's there's nothing else that you can.
1: Well, and that's the thing. I mean, in in the Bitcoin space, everyone talks about sort of hyper Bitcoinization, where people are going to start measuring about with Bitcoin, which I don't think is that. Far away, personally, <laughs> I try to check myself sometimes. Like, have I gone too far? Am I like too far to one side in support of Bitcoin? But everything that I check just says no. no you, you're you're on the right path. Like nothing, nothing you're researching is saying otherwise. Um, you know, Bitcoin could be. I think it's Max Kaiser said. You know, Bitcoin has no top because fiat has no bottom. I think mm-hmm. I think he's the one who said that, which is so true. Like I you almost don't even price your, your worth in Bitcoin anymore, or sorry, in, in fiat, because Bitcoin is a far more accurate measure, I think. And when you compare the chart of, you know, say the, the Fed balance sheet, which is like a ski slope up, and then the Bitcoin total supply chart, which is, you know, increasing, but at a decreasing rate, take dollars, take Bitcoin out, like say I have apples and oranges and I'm, Making a bunch of apples at a exponentially increasing rate, and oranges at a increasing decreasing rate. Like, which one do you want to have? Like, which one would you rather have for trading? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I'd I'd rather have the one with the fixed supply, and it's in the code. The the one thing about Bitcoin is the decentralization. Like, it's, you're not trusting anybody. Tr- trusting people with money has been a losing cause for two thousand years since there was money. <laughs>
0: Brings us back to Rome.
1: Bring brings us to Rome. I mean, Romans they did it slower, but they the temptation when you have a centralized financial system is far too great to debase your currency or print new money. It's it's too easy, and you can do it for you know Rome did it for almost 300 years. They did it without sort of noticing, you know. But it, it solves too many problems in the short term. So <laughs> inflation solves today's problems by making tomorrow's problems worse. <laughs> And nobody wants to deal with tomorrow's problems, so they just push it away, uh, which then causes more problems in the future, which, oh, my gosh, you know, we've got some more issues in the future. How are we going to solve these? Well, we'll print more money. Oh, that'll solve it. And it's like, great. And then, you know, another year goes by and they're like, oh, my gosh, this problem is even worse. <laughs> How did this happen? <laughs> it's like, well, it's because you just printed all that money like a year ago. Like, it, it, I feel like I'm taking crazy pills telling you this, but it's, you know, when you're in the moment, I, I can see it's it's very tempting because... The issue is productivity. When you're when you're not increasing productivity, you're just printing money. You're actually decreasing the efficiency of everything. Of mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, productivity, you're decreasing efficiency of money. Like everything is being decreased. And you know the the, the arguments against deflation that you know the whole world would explode. I find hilarious <laughs> to me because all that does is just incentivize you to allocate your capital efficiently. If I, you know, if I'm getting the Bitcoin deflating and, and basically deflating just means your purchasing power is going up Like, even just a, a conservative number of like, say Bitcoin's increasing at 8%. If I'm going to invest my Bitcoin, I need to make more than 8% or I'll just save it. <laughs> so that incentivizes everyone to efficiently allocate their capital. Um, you know, you're not going to spend your Bitcoin on privileged things. If you're not going to, you know, remake that money back, you'd, or maybe you will if you really like the thing, but you're you're more incentivized to just hold it. <laughs> and some people think that that's going to completely blow up the economy. I think it's going to make it way better, but those are hard to hard to have that debate with.
0: <laughs> it's very very difficult to have that debate because, I mean, you know, you do not want to have that debate with a mainstream economist or a PhD or someone who's even got a degree in economics because. Hell no. You know, Keynes is the man. He knew what he was talking about. And you don't want to have that debate with just the general man or woman on the street because they don't, they have a fear about talking about finance straight up. You you, you meet people and the first thing they say, if you bring up Bitcoin, oh, no, no, I don't understand that. That's all, um, you know, basic FUD. And you're like, well, you know, do you understand how, like, the banking system works? Like, no, 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 I've, I've never, like, it's pointless talking to me about this because I've never done finance and that's, you know, blah, blah, blah. It's like, right, okay. It's not you've yeah, you... never done it, you've never been taught it, and you haven't been taught it <clears> for <throat> a reason, but you can go and learn about it. Like, you, you literally can just open a YouTube channel or a podcast or find a Medium article. It's out there for you.
1: I would say 95% of it is all free. Exactly. <laughs> it's open sourced information. You know, it's, it's like the code, like it's, it's like the Bitcoin code. It's out there, it's open, it's free. No one's saying like, you know, here's, well, maybe some people, but you know, no one's really saying like, here's my thread, like, give me money. It's just saying like, these are my thoughts. Like, I, I'm pretty sure these are correct, <laughs> but you know, make, make that a decision for yourself. And that's the other thing. When you start learning about it, you start maybe agreeing with some things, maybe not agreeing with others, like you, you more knowledge brings more knowledge and you don't need a degree in economics. I would say it's actually, uh, no, you, you
0: don't uh, need a degree in economics. It, it <laughs> that's, that's precisely the point. If you <laughs> to, don't to have learn a degree about in it. economics, you're uh, way ahead of the curve. Like you,
1: I, I have zero, zero formal training in economics, zero. And I like say that as a badge of honor, mm-hmm. um, cause it, it took, took me a couple of years to like unlearn, How I learned in school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, Like for instance, if I'm writing a thread, uh, people are going to read it. They need to read it. It needs to be clear and (laughs) short. If I'm writing a paper in school, you know, if it's not 2,500 words, it's wrong. It's like, well, if I can say it in half the time, why am I, why am I being punished for that? And Mm -hmm. you know, the whole academic system doesn't encourage efficiency. The whole government doesn't. Any government. (laughs) No. If you worked in it, it's, you know, I've worked in government. There was subcommittees and this and the people that did excel. They didn't want you to. They wanted, you know, hey, careful, you're rocking the boat. You're making, you're making me look bad. So it's I not can't a... imagine.
0: Let's get back to that city planning. Sure. If you saw a problem yeah. in your city that you needed, uh, like, fixing, I can't imagine that was a very quick fix. Like give, give... If,
1: if, if ever it was fixed. There was one guy <laughs> who I used to work with. One time we started at 8:30. One time he didn't turn his computer on till 10:30. <laughs> wow. Every day? Um <laughs> No, that was that was one day, but right. I timed him. Um, yeah. and then he would say how busy he was, but if there was an issue, you're not you know status quo or well that's how it's been done is mm-hmm. hyper common in the government uh-huh. <laughs> and this was like a municipal government very small scale stuff but and I'm sure there's I don't want to bash on all government I'm sure there's some people that are doing really good good work but where I worked, there was this inherent lack of innovation and almost discouraging you from changing the status quo <laughs> and no one ever said this but there was almost like yeah, this is a pretty good pretty good system we have here like don't screw it up or like <laughs> And, everybody, and everyone was stressed. Just punch in,
0: punch out, and you're, you're guaranteed yeah. a wage. You're guaranteed a pension. Don't screw anything up. Don't change anything. I mean, like city planning, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but are you, like, putting in new traffic light systems or like a, a um, range different? Well, I was in,
1: yeah, like, I was in development. So, um, like, any new building that would come up mm-hmm. uh, would kind of go through me, and I would, I guess, process the application, uh, you know, have, planning comments, but then also speak to like the engineers, the uh, landscapers, the architects, like speak to everybody to make sure that the city was in support of that building and, you know, share the comments with sort of the developer. So you're you're basically, it's like SimCity, but so much slower. (laughs) So there's, you know, development, development planning, which is what I was where you're like physically approving buildings. And there's like the policy side, which is, you know, spending 20 30 years out deciding like what you what you want to build and where so that you know i did both that was you know if you thought development planning was boring wait till you try policy <laughs> you, you could work five years and and see one document change it, it was very slow very slow oh, process man. i was i was literally going crazy um and like you go to school for all these years and spend all this time doing this and uh realize that you know i like planning i just it was process so i I still use it but you know a less less nine to five kind of way (laughs) not that alone like you wrote a book on sort of leaving the nine to five system yeah uh it's pretty cool too um i ordered it it hasn't arrived yet it it was only on kindle (laughs) for me but i'm excited to read that
0: all right thank you thanks for the support i hope you enjoy it
1: i I, i'm excited like i read four hour work week and it sounds like it's you know, obviously not that, but sort of along that line.
0: It's kind of the adult edition. It's kind of yeah, like the, is... the, the the family man edition of the four hour work week.
1: Uh, because, well, and, yeah, for me, who has young kids, that make to me, like that appeals to us. Like, you know, if you can sort of explore the world and, and have your family at your side like what, what better thing is there
0: you totally can especially now because you know you can separate education from state and you can separate money from state voila what do you have you're like yeah you're, you're way freer than you ever ever thought yes you, you know it's funny i did a tweet today that that moment when you realize you can separate money <laughs> and education system from state i like, uh, i like that tweet it was uh <laughs>
1: A friend, was, huh? That's right, yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. And that's sort of why Bitcoiners, you know, they say orange pill or mm-hmm. like matrix reference because you see the world very differently when you realize that, wait a second, <laughs> the money that I thought was money is not really money or, you know, there, there are better forms of this and, you know, no one, no one is telling you that. No one's saying like, hey, by the way, like this is decreasing in value pretty significantly. You should try something else. No one's telling that. So everyone who finds it is, either finding it from a friend or finding it independently. And generally they're all very curious people who want to learn. <laughs> That's generally how you find Bitcoin or, you, or you're, you just buy some, like some of my friends, so I'll stop talking about it to you. <laughs> so this conversation great. I'm, I'm very rarely speaking to Bitcoin about someone who wants to talk about Bitcoin.
0: <laughs> yeah, you, you will find that that uh, when, when you meet Bitcoiners that uh, you, know, you have this immediate connection. I want to ask you about Rome. Do sure. you think that when they started this coin clipping, there was mm-hmm. a bunch of guys like us weirdo Bitcoiners around there? Like, do, you, do you think there were people that were onto them ever from the beginning?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I would say probably in the first 200 years, probably not. Um, and it happened years. much. <laughs> <laughs> that's the thing. It, it happened when they first started debasing I would say the whole process was almost like 400 years. So mm. uh, it happened much slower that I would say, I, I like attribute currency debasement to, to like a, a boiling frog scenario where, you know, you put a frog in a boiling pot, it jumps out, it's too hot. If you leave it in there and you turn the water up gradually, like it'll die, <laughs> has no idea. Uh, so in Rome for 400 years or 300 for most of it, they were gradually 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 clipping like you know 90 95% at the beginning and you know 85% and well, it it goes from like 60 to 0 pretty quickly it, it, it's a straight line down which is the same thing as saying there's less silver in the coins so a straight line up which is you look at the fed balance sheet the same thing towards the end i i mean i'm sure people would have noticed they but i i don't know if they would attribute it to the basement even when I wrote that article, there were some people that were pretty adamant that it wasn't debasement that caused Rome's demise. It was um, like lack of productive countries to conquer, which I agree with. It, both of those things stem from productivity to me. They, they both require the country to be more productive <laughs> internally versus you know, attacking others. Um, but it's happening much faster this time. So I, I don't think People would have recognized that at the time. I, what I wonder sometimes was how history would have been for someone who was living when gold was starting to get accepted as a currency. Mm. So you say you're in Mesopotamia and all of a sudden some guys started using gold <laughs> hit coins. I, I often wonder what that would have been like for people living then. Like, would, I'm sure some of them would have been support, but I'm sure a lot of other people have been like, you know, we've, We've used these glass beads for a while and let's not, let's not switch. I like these. So I wonder how that would have been, but there's always early adopters to technological innovation and separating money and state is probably the most significant thing since religion was taken away from churches, which I'm sure people probably didn't think that was ever going to happen either Um, because you know, thousand years ago, the state was, or the, the church and the state were pretty much the same thing, where they, like they mm-hmm. was blended into one thing. So, you know, it's, it's or, hard or to even, even imagine. More recently,
0: you know, taking, um, taking uh, the, the state away from a monarchy, for example.
1: Yeah. Yeah. The feudal system, um, even like the 14th, 15th century uh, still had that system that, you know, that transfer from that to democracy. Uh, <laughs> would have uh, would have been interesting so I, I would imagine that at the end like the last 30 40 years like the, the chart goes from like 50 percent silver to zero percent silver in sort of 30 years so people wouldn't people would notice when their coins became bronze no longer had any silver in them that's amazing,
0: uh, is it? Fifty percent silver to zero percent silver. Like you know, yeah. then what are you left with? Like,
1: well, I'm I'm sure at that point, you know, people are starting to wonder, like, hey, what is this? <laughs> I, I can find bronze the other around the street. Like, the real value mm-hmm. in currency is scarcity. Like it always, always has been.
0: Like, what color is your dollar coin? Do you have no? You have notes, right? Dollar notes in Canada.
1: Um, our money is multicolored. Uh, I so I'm get this a... in
0: the uk the the pound coins and the, the pound mm-hmm. coins as far as i remember they're still gold
1: really yeah gold but, gold colored yeah yeah uh, absolutely maybe maybe nobody will notice <laughs>
0: uh, yeah but now the, the the two pound coin i think is like a, a gold kind of rim and a silver inside that's what the the two euro coin is so even yeah so here now uh the two euro coin is that gold outer rim with a solid silver, you know, again, in air quotes, and the same, no, the 50 cent is gold colored. It's mad when you think about it. It's like, it's all just colors, and the denominations are completely different. Even the 5 cent, the 5 cent is gold colored, uh, and they're just playing on our psychology when it's just pointless, worthless base metals that we're exchanging and we 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 have no idea that their value is being constantly fucked with, and debased every single day.
1: Every day, and at an at an increasing rate, too. That's the other thing. It's not like it's a straight line. Uh, it's exponentially greater every year now. You know that's that's a scary thing. But yeah, our, so let's our, talk about our chart that chart
0: too. that that chart you Here. did on your thread because that yeah
1: that was that was is, sort of the. The main one when i as i was writing it i had a theory i was like let's turn this chart around before i even i was i wanted to know if there was any correlation between the debasement of then and now (laughs) that was sort of the main thing because if you look at the fed balance sheet now it's it's scary Mm -hmm. uh you know it's i think before before 2008 i think it was like 600 billion i think do quote me on that number, but it, it, it was under under a trillion for sure. And it was just like this, just like sort of ticking up. And then sort of 2008 happened, sort of, it was a jump up, but they never, I, I wrote in the thread that like the boulder only rolls downhill, like currency debasement only goes one way. You know, even the, the tightening that they did in 2018, where they tried to raise interest rates, at least in the U.S. and Canada, tried to raise interest rates and and basically burn money off the balance sheet. I think they lasted four months, six months before they totally reversed course, <laughs> which is scary. So the, the chart that I did, and if you sort of go to the thread, it's on my Twitter, um, it's in there. Basically all the chart is is a reverse or an inverse of the percentage of silver in a coin. So uh, the chart that was like taken from like a sourced article uh, shows the chart sort of going like this and then really dropping because they're showing the amount of silver. So they're going from 100% to 0%. So all I really did was just flip the chart showing how much not silver is in a chart. Uh, and the reason I did that is because I, and this is personal opinion, so this is where things might go off the rails for some people, but I value that the amount of silver is, is the exact same as the, the money printing. So they're both debasement. Like they're both decreasing the value of the currency. And I don't really care that one was 400 years and the other was 20 years, what I, I care about is the rate of decay. And that's a, a Greg Foss term. <laughs> he talks about um, the rate of fiat decay. And that's that's what I wanted to look at. It's like You know, are these similar? And they're very similar. They start off slow and then they, you know, slow tick. And then it sort of jumps up to like a, maybe a 45 degree. So you're, you're debasing, you're debasing at a consistent rate. And then at the end, the bottom drops out. <laughs> it's, you know, it's, it's a lot like uh, heroin. If I, again, I've never done heroin, but that's what I reference <laughs> in the chart. It's like a drug. Um, and there's countless examples of that in 1920s Weimar Germany, where they say inflation is like a drug, you know, it helps today, but it's fatal in the end. Like you're, eventually going to overdose from it is great it'll make you feel great today but you wake up tomorrow and you're going to need more of the drug to keep going <laughs> and it's that is happening right now and I feel like part of the thread was I could relax a little bit and that people have <laughs> people have seen it so I can sort of rest my peace but you know there's more people that I think should know about this you know it's the the rate is, is is still happening so you know you there was a, a u.s stimulus bill that was announced uh with less than a year and I, I remember posting on twitter saying like this is bad this is going to cause inflation and i was totally lambasted by uh people on twitter saying like where's the inflation show me the inflation it's not here yet i think it was <laughs> in february <laughs> and i i couldn't show it i was like well i don't have any metrics to show this but I'm telling you, if you keep doing this, it's going to happen.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and now you're starting to see it, but you're not—you haven't seen anything yet. Like if—if there, Stan, I think it was Stan Drunkenmiller said that the U.S. is going to lose its reserve currency in nine years. <laughs> that's quick. Like that's a billionaire talking about the reserve currency of the world basically ceasing to be that in in less than a decade, which I think is a conservative estimate <laughs> if you think about it. And the amount of debasement that's happening now, you can say that it's COVID and COVID is causing this and if COVID stops, they'll stop debasing. I don't personally buy that. And I see a lot of parallels between COVID and uh, Weimar Germany's uh, the retribution money that they had to pay for mm-hmm. which caused theirs. They had to they had to spend more money than they needed or than they were making to pay sort of retributions to uh, the country, you know, France, England, countries that they lost to, uh, so they were monetizing their debt. It's, that's exactly the same thing is happening right now. <laughs> so for all the differences of that period, that's happening now.
0: COVID is a very convenient excuse for them to be printing cash right now.
1: Hundred percent, and they were, you know, there were problems well before COVID. Like, they, oh, yeah. they couldn't. They were trying to normalize interest rates to four and a half percent and reduce the balance sheets before COVID, and they. If you look at the interest rate chart, you know, they show these gray lines where the recession started, where sort of COVID hit. Three, four months before it, they were reducing rates. Like, well, why are you, why are there was no mention of COVID before then. It's not that they theorized. I don't think they, it's because they knew about COVID. I think they just couldn't, the economy couldn't keep that going. It couldn't handle higher interest rates. Like if you think there are so many zombie companies now that (laughs) only are making money because, yeah, I mean, more and more every day, almost all of them that are just making money because money is cheap or they you know they don't have to turn a profit because they're getting cash you know if they, that interest rates are not good for them if they raise interest rates and money suddenly has value again, you know companies are going to be in trouble i they, they can't do it I, they can't so they they have the choice to do it which I don't think they're going to do and it, this is the theory part of sort of my thing they are they going to? Is someone going to come along, like in the 70s, and say, like, we need interest rates at 20% to stop hyperinflation, which is not a popular thing to do, <laughs> and there was some big issues in the 70s when they did that. Or is someone just going to say, like, okay, well, we'll keep printing because it solves today's problem. You're making tomorrow's problem worse. Tomorrow going to be bad, and then all of a sudden they come down. You know, that, the last stimulus bill was what February. Now they're talking about this infrastructure bill, which they think is going to reduce inflation. <laughs> Uh, like Joe Joe Biden was saying, like we need to spend the money to reduce inflation. like is it is he like is this a comedy or a tragedy what we're living through right now? I can't tell <laughs> because it's sad and funny at the same time, but mostly sad. Uh, but when you print a bunch of money, you're increasing demand. Like especially when you're giving that money directly to people, you drop fourteen hundred dollars in someone's bank account. They're gonna spend some of it, and then. Mm -hmm. you know oh the back end you know we need to microchips and this and that i don't buy any of that i understand the argument but microchips are not what's causing it you're increasing the demand without increasing universal supply Uh, so it's a bit it's a bit scary
0: how many more companies are going to wake up and start putting bitcoin on their balance sheet i mean this is the classic Michael Saylor play. People now know this works. We've got almost a year of data of how they did it. He's completely exposed his playbook. If these companies do not want to go to the wall, which I, I really don't know that they care, honestly. I. I it's as if the fiduciary duty of almost all of the CEOs on Wall Street is, it feels like almost zero. Like they just don't care. It's like, yeah, whatever. We'll take the cheap cash. We'll buy back our stock. And uh, all of the insiders will write some options that will expire in six months. And then, you know, and more pump and dump bullshit.
1: I I think share buybacks are one of the craziest things ever. When I realized that that was a thing, like you could not give money back to your shareholders and just buy your own stock which then inflates the stock's value. Like you're not you're not adding value, the stock just costs more. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, to me, that's crazy. It's crazy that you can do that. But how, how many companies, eventually, I think all of them will own Bitcoin, to be honest. I mean, that's probably gonna get radioed, but <laughs> I, I do. I mean, it, you have a fiduciary duty to, to protect your company's worth or protect your thing. Like Michael Saylor has been very clear about, like he's made, reference like he had I think money in, in Argentina and he said like how, how the heck are we going to get this out and he, the solution for him was to buy a boat and drive the boat home, <laughs> which shows you like how much he had value in their native currency or how much he thought it was going to maintain its purchasing power so I actually one of my first articles I wrote after the like why Bitcoin is good that was the very first one uh was about uh, this gentleman named Hugo Stinez who was him, the the richest gentleman in Germany uh, that I wrote about it. And actually that one, Preston Pitch, I think retweeted mm-hmm. that months ago. He was one of the first people to sort of, uh, I guess, follow me that people would know, <laughs> uh, which he, he sort of tweeted about it. And because Michael Saylor was doing the exact same thing that this Hugo Schinnes gentleman did in the 1920s, like he was borrowing debt in mm-hmm. Fiat and then buying coal mining, uh, steel, gold. And he was like, if he could service the debt, which he could, he'd take it and then buy hard assets. <laughs> and Michael Saylor is doing the, it's, it's literally a carbon copy playbook. And I'm, I'm certain if you quarter him in a room, he's like, yeah, for sure. Like I studied him, I know who he is. That's exactly what I'm doing. <laughs> because he's doing the same thing. He's, he's taking bonds, he's creating bonds for his company. He's taking his company's cash and he's just turning mm-hmm. it into Bitcoin. And he's doing it when he gets extra cash from his company, because his company generates free and clear cash flow. And then he's doing it. If he can service the debt on these like bonds that are like one or 2%, which bonds, the bond market, that's the craziest thing <laughs> out there. If, um, But he, he's doing the same thing. So he's, he's, and people, every time he buys more Bitcoin, they're shocked. Like, oh, he's still <laughs> no. doing it. And every time he's, you know, the very first announcement I, like, I, I remember, I think it was, one hundred fifty million, or six fifty, or something yep. like that. that Four fifty—the first announcement. Yeah, yep. yeah, yep. yeah. Well, oh, no, no, so, the,
0: the raise. You're talking about the raise.
1: Yeah, so not his, not his cap. Right. Yeah, I the raise. I the think very you're right. History. It was
0: oversubscribed to six fifty, if I remember.
1: Yeah, and then he did another one yep. another month ago. Yeah. Um. Frankly, it's brilliant what he's mm-hmm. doing. Uh, if you've, like, I've studied like history, and you, he for sure is a studier of history, guaranteed uh he's 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 taking money that's decreasing in value his debt is decreasing in value and he's putting it into an asset that arguably increases in value because not only does bitcoin maintain its value but it has a network effect where it doesn't have full adoption so it's taking money from gold it's you know bonds it's it's bringing those in in addition to like maintaining its purchasing power and any network effect if you sort of studied the internet or, or any technological network effect, they're uh the the growth rate or where we are on the curve is like I've heard people say we're in the first or second inning, you know, of a nine inning baseball game. So we're we're still so early even though the price is forty thousand US. But he he's doing the playbook to a T. So I it's cool to see um, that mm-hmm. he's actually doing it. I, I wrote about that. Like, he's doing this. <laughs> and you know, I I think other companies will eventually follow suit. Like, you know, if Jack says the native currency of the internet wants to be Bitcoin, like every company works on the internet now, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, and I'm seeing this, I wrote an article like about Bitcoin and professional sports, at least in North America. Um, There are like sports teams that are now starting to accept it. And for, for them to, like if an athlete, a big like there are NFL football players now they're saying like pay me in bitcoin like I want my salary and yep. they're not taking it directly from the, co- the companies they're not taking it from the owners because those owners don't have bitcoin but Sacramento Kings an NBA team has been accepting bitcoin since 2014 and recently offered if anyone wants to be paid in bitcoin they can because they they have a bitcoin balance so like let's say a you know a soccer star or someone wants to be paid in bitcoin well first that company or that team needs to accept Bitcoin or risk like converting a bunch of their money to it. So, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing that happening and I think that's going to happen more and more. I think more companies are going to realize that we need to protect ourselves. And the,
0: the talent that that-, that that they can attract, this is, this is so key that I think it's, it's, it's brilliant. It, if you're a company that can, like if you, if you want to attract the best talent in the space and you're offering wages in Bitcoin, bam, where are you going to go work? Like if you've, mm-hmm. got, the, if you've got the opportunity to go work at Google, Apple, or MicroStrategy and you want to be paid in Bitcoin, you're going to one place. Like mm-hmm. th- that's it. Oh, for sure. And mm-hmm. the same with the sports teams. Like if you want mm-hmm. to go score same goals thing. or baskets or whatever it is, you know, you know touchdowns uh, and one team in, in that league... Is offering your payment in Bitcoin. You don't even need, need an agent anymore. Say goodbye to those scumbags, right? You're self-sovereign.
1: Exactly, and and you're starting to see it more and more in the sports world. I, I find it interesting because the sports world, in some cases, is you know almost further ahead in society. Like the athletes, uh, Saquon Barkley, as a running back, said, like you know, as a running back in the NFL, like my career is going to be short. Like I need to protect my money.
2: <laughs> and Dash.
1: you know, And and that's the thing. Most, most of the people are doing it defensively. Like most people come to Bitcoin At least I've found Bitcoin as a defensive strategy to Mm -hmm. sort of maintain what you have because it's it's not so much, this is
0: the, it's a risk.
1: Yeah. It's it's a a hedge. It's a put, you know, however you want to call it, it's, it's basically a hedge against your money losing in value. (laughs) And what is more likely, you know, Bitcoin well you know what's going to happen with Bitcoin it's decentralized it has code it's, it's not that's not changing you know are the government's going to decrease their supplies no I don't think they're going to de- I, I'm sure they have every intention to there could be people that want to but I I'm of the theory that you can't decrease what's been done without causing massive unemployment massive deflation massive uh, riots probably like the amount of people that will make neg- negatively impacted. So I, I'm very critical of that. Like inflation is bad, but I don't see an alternative and <laughs> I, I don't blame them for taking the lesser of two easels, lesser of two evils, because every time, every time there's more money in the system, there's, there's inefficient money and that has to unwind through like a deflationary collapse or through inflation. Like they, they've got to decrease that somehow. So people are, you know, People definitely get a lot more upset if their house goes down fifty percent you know almost overnight and there's a big crash like people People tend to get pretty upset with that when their house is increasing at thirty percent a year they're loving that mm-hmm. but they don't realize that the money supply is increasing faster than it.
0: they don't realize that it's not the house that's going up it's the money that is buying less
1: yes, it's the your purchasing power you you can't buy what you used to for more dollars uh you know it's. Cool crack a boom is the term uh you're seeing it in used cars now like used cars you buy it you drive it off the lot and you return it for more money and people are like that was a great investment it's Like used cars are never great investments they only decrease in value like they're one of the only things that you can kind of point to that are are not going to hold their value <laughs> just because there's new cars and the way that they're built etc and that, I think that's one of the first things that people are realizing like man, my money doesn't buy what it used to like I know I have more money than I used to, but I can't get what I used to get uh so that's that's the biggest issue, and you know you, you don't have that with bitcoin i i, I like thank God for bitcoin <laughs> mm-hmm. can you imagine can you imagine what's happening without a a relief valve like Bitcoin to get you out of the system like i I have no idea you'd be buying gold or furniture or something to try to protect yourself, similar situation. You know, this is so much easier with Bitcoin. You just move over to a different system, Mm -hmm. a system that's already there. So, you know, Bitcoiners, for for everyone saying that they're toxic, first of all, I don't buy that. But second of all, I think they're some of the most optimistic people ever. (laughs) Like, yes, the current system sucks. Yes, poor people are getting further and further left behind. But there's this great new system that all we want you to do is just learn about it <laughs> and judge for yourself. I'm not even telling you to buy. I'm just telling you to learn about it.
0: I don't even take commission.
1: <laughs> no, I, <laughs> I had a guy once "Buy me say a to bottle of wine if you
0: want." A, a guy once said to me, "He's like, uh, so you know, so so you work for Bitcoin? I mean, you know, what kind of commission you want?" I'm like, "All oh, right, no, 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 Bitcoin's not a company." Like, uh, yeah, but this is this is how ingrained it is.
1: Oh, and the, yeah, system. and I. And I can understand that. Like, if I again, if I was holding my glass beads when some guy came around and said, "Like, hey, we're using gold now. Gold's the new thing,"
2: mm-hmm. and I
1: had no like knowledge, I, I'd probably say the same thing. I'd say, "Like, you know, what what are you doing? Like, that's that's not what I have. This is this is value. I attribute this in value." But like, any any value is in the eye of the beholder. Like, if two people say something has value, it doesn't matter if it's Bitcoin or fine art or collectible cards. Like, it has value. <laughs> so. Bitcoin is really just an agreed upon system that has value. And the reason why everyone agrees upon it is because it's open source, it's decentralized, and it's it's a a system that doesn't trust it verify. (laughs) So
0: Man, you've fallen down a rabbit
1: hole very quick. It's, it's, uh, yeah, I don't know. if that's a, Is that a good or a bad thing?
0: <laughs> it's, an, it's an amazing thing. And uh, I've spoken about this, so have the, the other podcasters in the space, that when we get to talk to guys, you know, class of 2019 or 2020, uh, we're just shocked, taken aback. It it's like, it's taken me five years to, like, realize all of this shit. But you guys are getting it <laughs> in, in, like, months, if not weeks and obviously that is by virtue of you know the 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 current state of the world and being pushed into a corner and you need to learn something you need need to learn it quick and the
1: you know the other side of it is like
0: oh shit it's all here you know it is i mean that's the thing you guys have
1: you guys have blazed the trail It's, it's far easier for me to pick up and learn about bitcoin today than it was five years ago um like in 2017 i was i was to be totally candid, like I, I was saying to my friends as it was, you know, the chart was going up a ski slope. I was saying, this is, this is a bubble, this is this and that, you know, because I didn't, I, I had spent zero time learning about it at the time. I just looked at the chart and, you know, Michael Burry says like, oh, it's a head and shoulders. And I'm like, I, you for sure know nothing about Bitcoin. I can almost guarantee that <laughs> because I was that guy. Like I was the guy saying like, this is crazy. It's going up too fast. I, logarithmic growth. Like what is this? I don't understand this. Um, and then when it didn't go to zero, when it, you know, went to 3000 and 4,000 and then I was like, well, I'm missing something. I'm, I'm definitely missing something here. So for, for guys like me that are coming to this later, there's this, um, longer runway of existence of Bitcoin that helps, that helps like, you know, coming to it five years ago, you know, there were still like hash wars and people sort of. Four, four cores, like mm-hmm. you know, that would have. I, don't, I have no idea what it would have been like for someone to be like, "Bitcoin's great, but so is BSV." And it's <laughs> like, well, no, <laughs> it's not. So I mean, a lot of that, a lot of that's been put to bed, and a lot of the fud that comes out now, like from you guys, like you, you were like, "Yeah, we, we this this is fud that's been around for five years." <laughs> so a lot of that's been debunked, and the information's readily available, and. And there is more mainstream adoption now. Like, I, I've seen commercials on TV that speak to Bitcoin. I've n- I never saw that in 2017, uh-huh. 2018, 2019. Um, and there's just this groundswell of adoption that, frankly, you know, without me, like, Bitcoin is going to adopt. It's just I'm trying to speed it up faster. <laughs> That's really all I'm doing. Like, it's, I have no doubt that it's going to happen. Like, you, you put something together that people realize is, good and helps them and helps them save money people are going to figure it out eventually like i equate it to like putting like a spear and a bunch of monkeys like someone's going to figure out that this <laughs> is something that they can use
0: or oh, an and, iphone and a bunch of nokia users right i mean yeah i was yeah, the like, nokia it's like yeah whatever is, with that i was that yeah, yeah that's never gonna that's never gonna catch well, but iphone like, 3 oh, i'm like yeah all right i'm in and i'm telling all my buddies about it like uh you know it's
1: you can't stop it, doing it. Well, you, you can. And I think that there's, there's this sort of snowball effect where, you know, people are, you know, the detractors that people are against Bitcoin or let's say it's going to zero. Like, to me, that makes no sense. <laughs> um, there, there are so many people that are saying, I put value in this. I'm willing to exchange my fiat for this. It's not going to zero. There's, there's way too many people that are doing that. And the floor is just getting set higher like there are more people that come along that are informed and understand what's going on so every year that it stays alive more and more people are aware of what's happening like they they know you know however they're approaching it or they know that it's a new asset class or you know however they they know that it has value and and more more and more people are are waking up to that so so for guys like me that kind of come along it's easier The path has been blazed. We're just walking it. It's already been cut. We're just walking it and waving around.
0: Yeah, it's it's great you guys uh, are following and um, may many, many more find that same path. But before we wrap this up, Drew, I've got to ask you, if you had one orange pill
1: left to give to someone,
0: who would you give (laughs) it to and why?
1: Oh, good question. So one orange pill to someone. Like one person to, to know about it. I um hmm, think about that. Probably wouldn't be a family member. It would probably be someone who has like I would say Elon Musk. Uh and the reason for that is he's like learning about Bitcoin publicly and it's painful <laughs> <laughs> to watch. Um but he has he you know, he has a, a large group of people that he can reach. And I think it would help the space if he understood it maybe a bit better. Maybe he does. Maybe he's playing us all. I don't know. But he's not. to me, <laughs> he's
0: not.
1: some of the stuff, he's going through great lengths to say he's not Satoshi. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll put yeah, it politely.
0: He's, he's, definitely, he's definitely way
1: down the learning curve. And Well, and I, you know, he's got a lot on his plate, right? Like, you know, to, to expect everyone to be – you know, an expert in like, he's the chief designer of a rocket company that's going to like the moon and Mars <laughs> to then expect him to, you know, spend two hours a day studying finance for you know, in my case, two years. Like that's, he doesn't have that time and he's, he's working on other things. So, you know, I, I don't behold anyone who doesn't have the time to learn about this, but that's why it's, it's, you know, any, any person you can, about it, or, or have them understand it. I think is a good thing because it's just one more person that sort of frees to do whatever they want. You know, think of how much time there would be more time if, if people could save their money efficiently. This is
0: it. this is the most bullish aspect about Bitcoin. And Knut uh, Spawnholm. I don't know if you've uh, followed him or read his books yet. Uh, he's, uh, he wrote two books, um, Independence Reimagined was his latest one and Sovereignty Through Mathematics was his, his first one. Brilliant Bitcoiner, and he just announced publicly two days ago, I'm done, fiat job is over, I'm going full-time Bitcoin, I'm leaving my country, taking the kids out of school, we're moving to a different country, and I'm going to be writing another book, and this is what Bitcoin can do. It can release you from your fiat existence, your fiat job, and give you the time to spend with your family, spend time on yourself, spend time on the projects that you want to spend time on. And in his case, writing another book about Bitcoin to educate even more people about it. This is going exactly. to keep happening.
1: Well, and when you have free time, like when you're not, like for my case, I left my sort of nine to five job and that gave me the freedom to uh, allocate my time more efficiently, and it allowed me to car- carve off time to do uh, to learn about Bitcoin. <laughs> think, you know, and I would say Bitcoin is probably the most important thing that I've ever done, just even writing about it single-handedly. But think of what what other people's passions are. Maybe your passion isn't macroeconomics or Bitcoin. You know, you're going to pursue your passions if you have. The time to support yourself when you give people time back. Like Noam Noam Chomsky talked about that. He's a writer saying like you give people time, they're gonna. <laughs> you, you're not sort of. Like, he called it like a dumbening of society where you're just you know people call it a rat race. You're you're just sort of in this hamster wheel. If you if you break break free of that, you have this free time to pursue your passions. Like mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that most people, if you give them an infinite amount of time, they're they're going to do something. They're not just going to sit there. <laughs> no, you produce like, hey, value. I'll...
0: You produce value for someone else, and then yeah. all of a sudden and you have you, you you've got someone paying you to do what you what you love doing.
1: Oh, I mean, you see it in art. <laughs> yep, modern art is, you know, some of the stuff that cathedrals they used to build took hundreds of years. You know, it, people don't understand how quickly or how long it took to produce significant things sometimes, and um, there's a lot of books about that. Uh, I think there was *Richest Man in Babylon*. I read one yeah. that sort of I had a, a similar, yeah. similar sort of thing where you know y- you can allocate your time better and you can create a, a higher GDP without shaving money. <laughs> that's not that's not a sustainable solution. It's never been sustainable throughout history. So, uh, so yeah, so I I think Bitcoin is amazing for that for that aspect, and I think it's going to help so many people because hyperinflation and and high poverty and losing, having wealth concentrated in fewer and fewer people is, is not a recipe for super productive society, I don't
0: think. No. And a lot of people will turn around and say, they'll point the fingers at Bitcoiners, Saying, well, you guys are just, uh, you know, you, you are accruing all of this wealth through Bitcoin and, you know, it's, it's just exactly the same thing. There's going to be those that hold loads and then there's going to be those that hold almost nothing. What I'm trying to explain is like, you know, what's going on, like, it, you know, maybe in the more developed nations, we have people that, uh, that they are using it for a completely different reason to those mm-hmm. in an underdeveloped, underdeveloped nation. But mm-hmm. it's still the same thing. I was talking to Thibault about this earlier. It's the same damn bloody thing, you know, and, and Jack talked this about, Jack Mallers pointed this out in his speech. Like, you know, if, uh, if Bitcoin goes up 10%, Michael Saylor makes a lot of money, I make a lot of money. It's the same thing. It's, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it's not a US dollar that's been changed into something else or a US dollar that's even further diluted down the food chain in third, fourth, fifth world developing nations or whatever. no man, this is it, same. <laughs> it's the same e- e-
1: thing. Equal playing field, right? Yeah. Right. And it has to get, the money has to get distributed somehow. Like you can't, have a, you can't have a a significant new invention to a monetary system and just send it to everybody at the same time. <laughs> like, can no, you imagine- No, a you, shit coin. <laughs> Well, they already have those. Yes. Well, pre, pre-mined. <laughs> Airdrops. So, yeah. You you can't do that. You, it has to achieve its value from people accepting it. Like if you, you just send everybody something at the same time, it, it doesn't have the same effect. So yes, there'll be some people that have more coins than others to begin with. Will that be the case in three or 400 years? Maybe, but there'll be other people that can achieve higher productivity with working hard just as quickly. <laughs> like how many millionaires, uh, what is it, like 90% or something Like a millionaires had zero dollars? Like, mm-hmm. you know.
0: So what did they do? That, they, they created what did they do? Yeah. Sort of, uh, something that offered value, that attracted uh, money to them. The same thing is going to happen under a Bitcoin standard.
1: Same thing. Like, you know, you, you pass it off to your kids, your kids understand, your kids' kids probably won't. <laughs> right. And they probably won't be the most efficient allocators of your Bitcoin, right? And then they'll lose some of it and someone else will gain more. Like, it'll go to the people that are the most productive over time, Mm -hmm. you know, whether that be 50 years, hundred years, however long it's, it's not going to stay in the hands of the least productive. I don't think.
0: And here we are right now watching it play out, talking about it, (laughs) writing about it. Uh, It's just such a privilege to be here.
1: I privilege. That's a great word. Like I'm, I'm very grateful that people have sort of read my stuff and, and, I, I think it's an honor to like even just be talking about it personally. It's a huge privilege to have a part of your day that you can devote to this. Like A lot of people don't have that time or, you know, or working and have family or you know, social life and they don't have the time to, to spend studying something. So, you know, I consider, consider myself very grateful to chatting with you and to have the ability to do it.
0: So. All right, Drew, that's a perfect place to leave it. And I really appreciate you coming onto the show. New uber pleb for the people to come and meet. I love getting new plebs on that have been, uh, you know, kind of underrepresented or flying under the radar. Really appreciate you stepping into the ring and and doing this.
1: Well, thanks for reaching out. It's one of the greatest things about Bitcoin is, you know, someone like you reaching out and asking me to come on. Like, you know, that doesn't happen in a, fiat system they don't just sort of speak to random people hey do you want to come on my show like who are you like who am i right so (laughs) thank you for thank you for having me on it's uh grateful for the invite and and grateful to be here
0: well thanks for taking the time have a great afternoon
1: you too until the next time (laughs) see you mate okay take care
0: well thank you for listening guys and thank you drew for coming on you plebs know what to do. There's a lonely pleb out there looking to connect, writing some great threads, has some great thoughts about what's going on. Go give him a follow. Shoot him a DM. Let's keep this community growing with like-minded people, sharing big ideas, helping each other out. Uh, Drew is just the latest pleb to step up and start writing content, which is an amazing thing to see, which we've seen a lot of these days. It, I mean, people are coming out from all over the place. It's so bullish, keep doing it, whatever you've got in mind, just go do go create and be part of this revolution Uh, before we sign off make sure you check out the show sponsors, as always coinfloor.co.uk forward slash bitten relay.ch forward slash bitten, swanbitcoin.com forward slash bitten and I don't know whether you've heard me go on and on and on and on about you guys making sure You are stacking safely and are in control of your private keys and have your coins, for want of a better word, on a hardware wallet. It's very important you do that. There's been a hack this week in the DeFi world. So first, do not touch anything DeFi. Just stay with Bitcoin. Bitcoin only. You get a Bitcoin only hardware wallet, Bitbox 2 at shiftcrypto.ch forward slash bitten take care of your satoshis catch you on the next show guys thanks for listening